This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I'm actually a very normal person, very normal guy, and um, I think it's very important um, that I explain to you a little bit about myself, because I feel very much that to connect to the guys you're talking about, I need to know who you are, because if they don't know who you are, then there's no common denominator, they're like, okay, yeah, okay, you're talking about this, you know, he grew up like this, I grew up differently, so um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, and... Um, how he ended up with Ornava, and, and uh, I, I, actually I'm a Rebbe for boys, you will know this, but for 30 years, the eighth grade Rebbe, in um, Yeshiva called Kranach Yeshiva in Lubasin, which was for kids who came from non-from homes. So it was, it wasn't kids at risk, it just came, their parents weren't from, and our objective was to make them from, and I was eighth grade Rebbe for that for 30 years, and then other things happened in between. I want to start off, I think it's a, a very important subject, and um, I do this in many, many schools, and not only in schools, I do this with not just kids, but I do this with adults, and I think that there's a very big misunderstanding of what Yiddishkeit is really, what it really is, what is Yiddishkeit, and um, so I told a story that, you, you know, you walk into, I don't know if you have a walk into, yes, whatever, okay, you walk into this pharmacy to get something, and um, there's a guy standing behind the county. He's wearing a yarmulke. He says, are you a Jew? And you're like, yes. So you practice Judaism? Yes. What is that? That's his question. My question, he says, I don't have any religion. I'm an atheist. I don't believe, but, but I, I like study, I study religions. What, what is Judaism? Like, what do you guys... What do you want back? So, I'm asking the group here today to help me out. I'd like to hear some different opinions on what is, what are you doing? What are we learning? Subject, biology, tomorrow's like biology. Why are we wearing citizens? Why are we wearing Yamaka? Manashtana, what's the between Judaism and Buddhism? Islam or Christianity. What do we got? <clears throat> no, they don't got. Anyone have any ideas? Yes. Um, we believe in one uh, and one God. This God spoke to our, uh, our, <coughs> our ancestors and gave us the set of laws about and the way by them. Christianity believes in one God. He came and spoke to one guy. I don't want to do Christianity. I believe in God and I believe that God has a son. But they believe in God. God we trust on every coin. They say Gashkov trust. God we trust. Seven mitzvahs. Seven mitzvahs. In fact, it sounds like that they're closer to God than they are. If I have a kid in my class, right? If I have a kid in my class, I give 613 rules. And then another kid in my class, I only give seven rules. Which kid, which kid needs 
bigger discipline. I'm giving him 613 rules. He's wild and out of control. So I got to give him every rule when he walks in, how he sits, how he stands, how he eats. If I don't give him all these rules, he's out of control. So it sounds like the Jews are much more out of control than the Goyim. They only need seven inches to keep them in control. And we need 613. Okay, don't feel, don't feel bad, guys. This is what I do. <laughs> yes. Um, we believe that our life should be consistently based on the fact and the sin we should live, not just experience process. We believe that, that our life should, live up, should be based on facts. <laughs> that we should, this is something that we should, that the fact that Hashem created us and that we owe it to Him to follow His laws and um, and to believe that this is what He wants us to do. But we believe that it's something that we should make our life out of, not just something that we should experience. So it should be something that we should. So a good Christian, yeah. a good Christian, a good Muslim, Muslim lives by his Quran, he keeps the law, doesn't drink. Alcohol doesn't eat pig, right? The, the, the women are dressed a certain way. They keep their laws. They're, 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 some of them are cuckoo. They keep their laws. And Christians, good Christians, they keep their laws. They don't. They don't. They don't eat meat Friday night. They don't eat meat Friday night, and they go to church on Sunday. And who shall not kill? And who shall not commit adultery? And they keep the Ten Commandments. And they live their life. We don't live our lives by fact. We have this, there's something in our life called the Muna. Mood is not based on fact. It's not a mood of fact. Not fact, but it's the fact that we that instead of a lot of religions will treat it as like a lot of a lot of religions will treat it as the religion is something that you like it's just like you're not talking you're not talking about the religious Christian, but the religious Christian keeps his halachas to the T. And the religious and the religious uh what's it called, uh, Muslim keeps his halachas to the T. Not only that, he has five five times a day he got. Imagine in a minion factory in Warbuck, they have five times a day. You only have three times. They pray five times a day. And they're so religious that in the airport this morning, they just <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you know, I put my children on, I go to that, I go to the telephone, I pick it up, I make a little phone to someone, and I'm like, you know, more down here with Vanecha. This guy puts his finger, boom, in front of everyone. Sun's coming up, he's down. Wow. Crazy. What well, we got, guys? This guy, if you don't answer him in CBS, he's thinking that we don't got nothing. Yes. We have a um, story that we received the Torah and we have a person from our ancestors that talked to all of us specifically in our CBS. Oh, so our mechanic was here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. We have a Masorah. Every religion, God only spoke to one. Muhammad. Yashka. Right? Only spoke to one. I don't know who he spoke to. Buddha, a little fat guy sitting on the I don't know what he Right? I don't know if it happens. Whatever. I said he, can't, he cannot be a God because he doesn't lose weight. I mean, But seriously. Really. So, so I deal with kids. I deal with very modern kids. I deal with kids who didn't go through the yeshiva system. I deal with some kids that didn't want to believe in Hashem. So I love Rabbi Mechanic's answer. We have one little problem with the answer. So we, we didn't get, so, you know, Hashem didn't come to Moshe Rabbeinu, right, in some dream and tell him about the Torah. There were 600,000, 3 million Jews at our Sinai. Really? Guys, come on. We're real. Prove. You got a video? Show me the YouTubes. Because you say that there were 3 million Jews in our Sinai? Show it to me. Where? That's Judaism? I'm, I'm a guy who works at CBS. I'm like, really? 
been some team. Can you show me a picture of it? No. So how do you know it's true? And I'll tell you something even, even scarier. Now I know why I'm not turning them into Christians. I'll tell you something even scarier. I'll tell you something even scarier. One of the answers is that we're the first religion. We're the first religion. First organized religion with Judaism, right? Idolatry, I mean, serving our ways was way, way before us. But we're the first religion. <coughs> if you do the numbers from when we started, the Jewish nation, keeping Judaism, and you do the numbers of Christianity or the Muslims since they started, there's a lot more Christians and a lot more Muslims than there were ever was Jews. Because right now, we're 8 million Jews and they're a million. So if you want to prove that your religion's right, and I've, I've had this bikuach, this is what I do. I've had this bikuach, they're saying, well, we're definitely right because you got 8 million Jews and we got a billion Muslims. So, so you can fool 8 million people a lot faster than you can fool a billion. So we're right and you're wrong. How come there's not a billion Jews? Now, the reason I'm telling you this today, okay, because this is very connected to what I'm going to speak about, because, boys, today it's a little different. Because you guys go on the internet. On the internet, you've got all these websites that are atheist websites. And all these websites that are anti everything that we stand for. And we're a curious people and we read it. Now, I don't know, I'm not going to believe any of it. But you start to read it and then you start to send emails and you go into chat rooms, atheist chat room. I mean, I know what's going on. And you end up in all these places and all of a sudden in your head, you begin to question, and the mission says, Nah, you need to know what to answer that requirement, because if you don't answer it, in your head you're like, uh-oh, if I don't have the answer, maybe he's right. But this is very important, but I'm in, in the yeshiva, and, no, and, and so far, no one has ever answered the question, so don't feel bad. With 760, 70 boys, whatever is in here, right? And we're all Jewish, we're over there to the wall of the world, and half of you probably know a lot of black and white about that, but you don't know what Judaism is. That's very scary. No, it's not your fault. Because Judaism today is a subject. It's a test and a subject. And the worst thing that Yiddishkeit could ever become for anyone in this room is a subject. There are a lot more exciting subjects. And biology will get you a job. Chemistry will get you a job. So if Torah is a subject in the financial world, and Rabbeim and the Rosh Hashivas and myself included know that in the financial world, you're not going to get a lot of money. You're going to get it in the next world. You're not going to get it in this world. So a lot of kids are like, if it's a subject, Rabbi Wallstein, I want to do chemistry. I want to become a doctor. I want to make a lot of money. I want to, be, I want to go to law school. What are you bothering me with? So all these answers that you're saying are the answer. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell it to you through my story, actually. So I was I lived in Muncie, and I went to a yeshiva called Yeshiva Spring Valley. When I lived in Muncie, fifty-three years ago, no, actually fifty-five years ago. So Muncie was a very, very small town with one yeshiva. And there weren't too many people living there. I was a very different kid. <clears throat> in kindergarten, so what we used to do in those days in kindergarten, pre-1A, something like today, my, my grandson's in pre-1A, he's coming home, he's like, do you want to hear the Mishnah about that? 
Thank you, whatever. We expect our kids. I don't know what we want from them, right? Now, Allah is in there. They come home with 60 questions on the parsha. When I went to school, all we did was draw. Parsha, it was the, the ten, ten markers. We did blood. We did frogs. We did kingdom. We didn't learn much. But for some reason, I never drew the lines. I drew only out of the line. Not in the lines and over the line, but not in the lines at all. Only out of the line. And in those days, they didn't have the therapy that they have today. So they heard of something called dyslexia. They couldn't even spell it in those days, right? And they were, they were, they were, they were thinking, I might have dyslexia, maybe some other disease, who knows what. But we definitely don't want the other kids in the class to be next to him and see that he's joining outside the circle. So we'll put Wallace in the corner. There was another girl, another, another little kid that also had the same problem. I'm not living on my block. Maybe it was here, I don't know, right? And then they put me, and that was it, but they didn't know what it was. So Baruch Hashem, I didn't get kicked out of school. I didn't get sent to some room over there with some people, a bunch of teachers to teach me separately. They had nothing to do with me, so they kept me in there. And I, and I, and I ended up getting going into first grade. Because Baruch Hashem has always been with me. He's always been with me since I'm a little teeny kid. So I'm in first grade, and the teacher, from what I remember, she was very, very mean. But I guess in first grade, any teacher is very, very mean. But she was like really mean, like, she didn't have a car. She kept school in a car. She kept school in a room. She parked a room when she got into the class in the corner. Right? So, we knew right away. And there's a little bit of a problem with this lady. But she would, remember with this way, she never called you by your first name. Mr. Wallerstein. First grade? Come on. Right? She wouldn't call you by your first name because maybe it wasn't team, I don't know. Right? But whatever. She wouldn't call you by your first name. So, it's like, four weeks, four weeks into school, I'm W. Now, Guys, you know, if you're a boy, you don't want to be past R. Because if you pass R, every time Remy makes you see him, he runs out of potato chips, ice cream, and cups by the time he gets to R. I, I'm sorry, we have nothing left, right? So in a boy's school, it's not, but it's good for one thing. Because you can see what happens to all the other kids when they don't do their homework, how they get punished. When the time he gets to W, you know what works and what doesn't work. So I had a very close friend. He was Yankala Catholic. Buddies. And we had our first homework. I can remember. It's unbelievable. You remember certain things. Trauma. Um, <laughs> so the, the paper had to be folded in three because there was spelling. Spelling lines, spelling lines, spelling lines. It was five words on each line. So this was our first homework to the class. I didn't do it, of course. I was always dreaming, seeing, you know, I, I wasn't there, really. So Kaufman went before me. So she called him up and she says, Mr. Kaufman, bring up your homework. And he comes up. He has nothing in his hands. She says to him, Mr. Kaufman, what's your homework? He's like, we're a little teeny guy in first grade. Look at this big. Little teeny guy. I was very short. Little teeny guy, right? Just with big lady, she's standing up. Mr. Kaufman, where's your homework? Goes, I did it! Okay, Mr. Kaufman, you did it. You bring it up. Wonder what happened? Yeah, I'd like to, I, I would like to know what happened. I, I put it on my desk and my cat! He ate it all up, I promise! <laughs> we didn't know she had teeth for like six months into school, right? So she looks at him and she says, That's ridiculous. So then bring your homework up. He's not gonna believe it! Now, what I wanted to say, guys, was that my hamster. <laughs> I, don't have, I didn't have a hamster. We had one in school in the front. So I thought hamster. Right? I wanted to say that my hamster ate my homework, but that's not what came out of my mouth. I said, 
we were kidnapped, we were dead, school's going to be over, how can the teacher didn't know where we were? Again, I mean, those four hours, these people must have been, I, I don't blame them, they must have been going crazy. Anyway, I guess he made a decision that he don't want this to happen again. So he took me and Kaplan to first grade. Now, in those days, boys, you don't have to feel bad for this. In those days, so be 50, 50 years ago, right? You used to get hit. But, but hitting wasn't like corporal punishment. It wasn't abuse. We all got hit. In fact, there was one kid in my class who never got hit. We hit him. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. No, you have to get hit. So, we came again, and then we went to the ruler. We put Vaseline on our hands, go over his thigh. It was like a guy from Mysim. Anyone who was in that kufa that used to get hit, you know, you got hit, you walked away. We were, we were like soldiers. Okay, it didn't hurt me. Uh, you know, that, that, was, that was the reaction. You didn't walk away and, and be traumatized and, and you know, and, 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 and get depressed and sleep before 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Just the opposite. So we got hit. Anyway, he took me to first grade. He said, this is what happens to a boy who runs away from school. Whack! One side of my face. Whack! The other side of my face. Second grade, again. Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. Eighth grade, sixteen times, I got so beat, my face was so swollen, I was I couldn't even catch my breath from crying. I got so beat, you have no idea. He's walking back to the office now. They're going to expel me after the beating, and I look up at him. I'm like, Rabbi, why did you just call an assembly and hit me twice? Why you beat me every class? And he goes, because and he hits me again. And then he hits Cal, and Cal's like, shut up. <laughs> I knew I'm going to walk through the class, all the guys are going to be sitting there, and he's going to slap me in front of all these kids. It's funny thing, when, you talk, when, I, when I talk about this to boys, you guys smile. I talk about the girls, they start crying. One guy said to me when I told this to he's like, Rabbi, wish you would have had a high school, he could have hit you a knife and passed him a lot of hell. Called in, he says, Kai Wallace, sit down. 
Okay. What I do? Since um came to my attention from one of the boys in Yeshiva that yesterday um on your block you were talking to a girl. But uh wait till I find out the <laughs> I'm like, yeah, my neighbor, whatever. Talking to a girl, my neighbor, in months at that time, was not a big deal. We ate Shabbos with them. It was, it was a very, very different world. But the yeshiva I went to, talking to a girl, out. <clears throat> so he said, listen, do you know, do you know what, what happens to boys who talk to girls? I'm like, turn to my shirt, <laughs> You know what happens to boys who talk to girls? You know what they grow up to be? Sewer rats. Not a rat, big one. That's what you're going to be. That's what you're going to be. And I'm not going to throw it out of your shield, but don't you ever forget what I told you. You continue doing this, that's what you're going to be. Now, he said that to me. Everything that happened to me in third grade triggered everything that happened to me in third grade. And I said, I am out this religion. You beat me, you embarrass me, call me a rat. I don't want any part of this. I'm out. I'm giving that all up. But I have one major problem. And that was my parents. Because my father overshone, I knew that the greatest thing in his life were his kids. And I could not hurt that man who loved me so much that all week long he drove from New York to Florida and back. Like he was a traveling salesman. And on Friday he got home at 1 o'clock. In those days you caught not go more than 50 miles an hour. And there was no kosher food. He had matzah and a can of rokea split pea soup. That's it. That's what he lived on. And I got off that bus at 2.15 every Friday from Yeshiva, and my father was standing on a porch with a football. So and Eliezer, I have a brother, the two of you, let's go play. His whole life was his children. What does that mean? What does it mean that you love somebody? That you bought him an iPhone? That you said, go watch Elmo? That you bought him a car? That you bought him nice clothing? What does it mean that you love someone? Well, I'll tell you what it means. There's only one thing in this world, boys, that you cannot live without for a millionth of a second. You cannot live without it. Anyone here know what? Live without water. Live without air. You can hold your breath. You can swim under the water. One girl said, you can't live without love. And a lot of people live without love. One person wanted to try to impress you. You can't live without God. A lot of atheists in their living the one thing, not a millionth of a second can you live without. Even out in Neshama, animals live, they don't have a Neshama. Trees, which is Sameach, can live. But when the time of the tree is up, the time the animal is up, the time the human is up, there's not a millionth of a second. So the most precious thing that we in this room have, because it's the only thing I can't live with a million of a second without, time. That's the most precious thing that every human being has in this world. And when you give the most precious thing you have 
to someone else that you love. Not a car, not money, not even a hug. Time. When a person gives another person time, whether it's a husband and a wife, whether it's a father and a child, whether it's a Rebbe and a Talmud, all relationships. For one to love another, you must give time. There are so many books on marriage, so many books on Chinuch. And I tell everyone, you can take all your books and you can bury it with your chamas. They're worthless unless you give the other person time. If you give them time, then the books are worth a lot. My father, his whole life, with his kids, all he did every moment of his life, if he had time, with his kids. He went somewhere and he took us. He had no friends. He had very little friends. My friends and my family. So I, at that point, was a 10th grader. I was like, I want to step out. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to and dominate kosher. Nothing. But, but I can do this to this man. And my mother, I can't do this to them. So I said, you know what? I'm not stepping out. I'm coasting. I'm going to, never thought of faking jobs and all that stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go to shul, but I have no kavana. I'm going to put on my tool. I'm not going to have any kavana. I'm going to learn and put my head down and go to sleep. When I got to the 12th grade, something happened. I said to myself, I'm not a rat. I'm not a rat. I don't want any other kid to get beat up the way I got beat up in Paris. How am I going to stop this? Come with me. And in my class, when I close that door, no kid's going to get embarrassed. And no kid's going to be called a rat. And I'm going to give my kids time. I'm going to play ball with them. They're going to come to me for Shabbos. I'm going to give to them what I got from my father. And I'm going to go into the system that hurt me. And I'm going to change it. Can I change the whole system? No. My class. That's my world. My voice. And my friends were like, you are ready? I wasn't learning. I was playing hockey and basketball my whole life. I'm a drummer. I was playing music, and it wasn't Jewish music, right? So I wasn't, and they're looking at me like, you banged into a wall and hit your head? You are ready? I'm like, I'm going to stop what happened to me from happening for at least one grade a year. And I went out with my wife. And I told her, I said, I don't look like a Rebbe, but I'm telling you right now, when we get married, I'm going to work half a day, but my first half a day, I am going to fix what happened to me. I am going to be a Rebbe. If you don't want to be married to a Rebbe, because I didn't look like a Rebbe and I'm a ball player, if you don't want to be married to a Rebbe, then, then it's not going to work. But I'm telling you, half a day, I'm going to do this. And from when I was 20 years old, when I got married, or Hashem to today, which is 37 years later, I'm a Rebbe. And what drove me was being called a rat and being beat up. See, because all of us have two choices in life. Everybody goes through stuff. I don't know your life, but all of us have stuff. And you really only have two choices. You see, because I'm sure you think said that in life we don't really have the hero boys. Who your parents are, not your choice. Boy or girl, not your choice. Jew or not Jew, not your choice. Pretty much in your earlier years, where you go to yeshiva, not your choice. How tall are you going to be? Not your choice. 
So what is your choice in life? What's your real choice in life? What's your real Bechira? How smart you are? You're going to have 145 IQ or 105 IQ? Not your choice. You're born with an IQ. So you have to be a master if you have a lower IQ. And you have to work harder. And I go, well, who takes care of your IQ then when it comes to learning? And some guys can't sit. They're born, they can't sit. Some guys have no memory. they got to keep looking at their name tag. Oh, that's my name, okay. Some guys can memorize whatever they look at. So if that's not our choice, what am I doing? I'm not going to be a tree. Who are you going to marry 40 days before you come down to the world? They're down to the Chemayim. So boys, what is your choice? What are you doing here? The answer is, never forget what he says. He says, the only choice you have in life is what do you do with the things you have no choice? That that is your father, that you are a Jew, that that is your family, that is your yeshiva, that that, that is your life, that is your wife. So what are you going to do with it? You have two choices. You have a choice to step in, you have a choice to step out. Yes, you could become a guy. And I, I asked my seminary girl, I said, I want to ask you a question. Let's say, after the rabbi told me I'm going to be a, a rat, let's say I would have stepped out. No Tyra, no Shabbos, no kosher, married guy, I go to children after 120 years, I call up to Shemayim, Ben and Shemayim is sitting there, and there's Wallace giving me a life. Let's take a look at your life. Go to your kids. Concentrate. No dominating, no learning. Ha ha ha. called me up, Mr. Wallace D. I woke up, I don't have anything. Barbecue time. And I would stand there and say, uh, Rabbis, so I hear you got this, uh, remember a little much younger, that Mishnah, Ayin Royal, Oizen Shamas, you know, you got this video going. Uh, you can go back to third grade, this is this day, four o'clock, I just want you to, like, see what happened. Now, in the next world, it's very scary, in the next world, there's no go. So the, the, it's the world of emotions, that's what an Ashama is, but you can't see it, right? We all, we all, one of the proofs, by the way, one of the proofs that there's an Ashama, which I give to atheists, is that... Emotions you can't measure. There's no cat scan. There's no way you can see a person's emotions. So they have to admit that in the world that they're living, the physical world, there is another world. The emotional world. You want to call it the shuttle, whatever it is. But at the same time, you're living in a physical world, you can't deny your emotions. But emotions cannot be measured by any of the five senses that Hashem gave us, because it's five senses of this world. And they have never been able to answer you. So, the end of the day, I'm standing there, these tzaddikim that are judging me can feel every time I walk into a class all that pain that I know I'm going to get hit and I know I'm going to get embarrassed. They don't see it. They can feel it. It's a very scary Zaya voice talking about bullying. The Zaya says, when you cause another person emotional pain, you know what hell, you know what Gehenna is? They take you in a Shema in the next world and they put it in his embarrassment and in his pain and that's where they stick you. And you feel his burning and his emotional pain that you caused, and that's where you stay, and you can't get out, and there's no way to run, and you burn in the embarrassment that you caused the other person. That's what Desire says in Gehenna. What's Ganeiden? You do a chesed, and the guy's like, oh my goodness, no way he talks to me. And he talks to me. That beauty, that feeling that's inside, Hashem puts you in Hashem in there. You live in the beauty that you gave the other person. It's a Zaya. So be careful before you cause somebody else. So here these chachamim are watching this little kid, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. There's no way they're sending me to get him. So afterwards, they see this whole thing, they're crying. They're crying with me. So the rabbis are like, so what do we do with this guy? We can't send 
Ganeden, he did every Avera in the world. He says that you're Gehenna, he already had Gehenna. He already burned in Gehenna when he was in third grade. So I asked my seminary girls, so, so what do you do with Wallerstein if you're on the basement? So they all say the same thing. We'll send them back to the world. I'm like, no deal on the left. They did all three. What are you going to do with me? I don't know. Boys, you know what the answer is? They won't punish me. They won't put me again. They're going to put me in a room like this with a big video. And they're going to say, Zachariah Wallerstein, you stepped out, you married a guy. We want to just show you if in 10th grade, instead of stepping out, you would have stepped in. And it would show my wife and my kids, my grandchildren, it show my great grandchildren. It would show every single guy in this room. If I stepped in, I end up coming here to speak. So, will you guys review my video? Why my video? And we show every boy and not a girl that I help, every person that I help, and my seminaries, two of them, and my high school. And everything I've ever done, and I would sit there and say, if I would have just stepped in, could you give me another chance? I could have done all that. I could have had such a family. I could have done all this. Just give me one more chance. No chance in Shemai. And for the rest of time, I would have sat in a room and watched my potential unrealized. You want to know what Gehenim is? Gehenim is potential unrealized. To sit here and watch boys, what you could have been. You have a good excuse. Excuses. I was a hockey player. I used to come home, sat Monday Shabbos for the league, right? And I would tell my father, who wants to go big into hockey? And I would tell my father, Dad, you're not going to believe it. Tonight, the refs were picking on us. You go, you lost. I didn't even have to ask you to score. The ice was slow. It was very wet. You lost. So Dad, I didn't tell you to score. You go, winners don't make excuses. Nobody comes home and says, you want, you want to hear the excuse why we won? <laughs> no such thing. If they just stop making excuses, you lost. You're going to sit up at your mind and you're going to say, I have a good excuse and it's not my fault and internet, it's the times of the day and it's not my fault and the whole world of internet. Yes, very nice excuse. Now go watch if you wouldn't have had internet what you would have done. With those hours that you were on the internet or on your iPhone, you could have taken those hours and you could help some first grader, second grader who's failing in school, who needs a tutor, but his parents don't have $75 an hour. So now he's failing in school, his parents are not getting him a tutor, and all of a sudden he's in fifth grade, and now he's learning disabled, and now he's in Yichud, and now he's in eighth grade, he's on the street. And every boy in this room, there's not one of you that can't tutor a first grader in math, or in English, or in Chomish, or in reading. How many of you guys went to the elementary school and said, you need someone to teach one of your kids? How many of you guys went to their nursing home where you can make some old person who thinks they're dead because nobody comes to visit them and this young, handsome boy, she's 90, but don't have to worry about her. This young, handsome boy, right? he cares about me. He comes to Arab Shabbos and he gives me a rose. Do you know what you can do for an old person in 20 minutes, all of you? But instead, you're looking at that stupid screen that's dead it's dead. It's connected to a satellite. It has no life. You don't make a bracha on it. It's not connected to Hashem. Things that are connected to Hashem, you make a bracha. Even a tree when it blossoms, you make a bracha. You come out of the bathroom, you make a bracha. But a phone, you don't make a bracha. Maybe actually, I'm not sure. It's dead. It falls into the toilet. The whole world is gone. We just had it in my, in my high school. I don't know, fell into the sink or into the toilet. The girl came screaming out of the room. Oh my God! Oh my God! I'm like, what happened? I threw it off. What happened? Right? My phone! I don't even know who my mother is anymore. <laughs> I don't have any more contacts. I'm like, never. And then 
on defensive. No, no, wait. Get you back it up, didn't you? She goes, no, I, last weekend. Oh, my God. Lost finish gone. You think who knows what? It's a machine. No life, boys. There's no life. You know why the age horror created it? He created it. Forget the garbage and the dirt and the filth. I'm going to talk about that. He created it to take away the most precious thing that every guy in this room has. Fine. Fine. The biggest attachment in the next world is, I'm going to tell you, I'll give you 24 hours a day. How did you spend those 24 hours? I'm going to say, I'm on the phone, I'm on the internet, big deal. She said, yeah, I'm going to put you into the room, I'm going to show you the potential. How many kids are you going to say? How many old people that are broken and broken that you could have saved? You're going to sit in that room, you're going to watch yourself all the time that you wasted, and you're going to say, Oh, if you just, I didn't understand, just send me back down the line. No. That's the That's the internet. He wants your time. Very interesting. I, I can't get into the whole thing, but it, if you want to know what Xavier is, you have to look how the Xavier is written. It's very famous. You can Esther. Much the man who said it's written in blood, that it's written in ink, you have to find out if it's in ink or it's in blood. You know, he said, where am I going to see it? He said, look at how, 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 um, how he wrote it, how Hobbit wrote it. He went down, he looked at it, and what did it say over there? He cussed it, he wrote to destroy them. And you know, he ran to much of them, he said, it's not in blood, we can do it, we can break it. And you know, because the word la'abdom, the way he wrote it, la'abdom spells lo'badam. So when they write it, they say against us, in the word, but they write, the answer. So now go look at a computer board over there with all the letters. You will see, or you know, you won't know this, everybody knows this. That when you want to get into the into the internet world, you push enter. But there's no button that says exit. Why did the guy who created the keyboard write escape? Is that weird? The opposite of enter is exit. Why would he have written escape? Escape! Bring a button on a keyboard called escape! I'm not in prison. I'm not in jail. I'm not a prisoner. Why do I need to escape? Whoever created that keyboard, look at the Xero. He didn't write exit. He wrote escape. Who needs to escape? Two people. Prisoners and slaves. And he understood that anybody that enters will not be able to get out on their own. They will not be able to exit. And he called it the web, which makes no sense at all. Right? Because it's technology. What does the web have to do with technology? And he called it the net. And the web and the net are the two things in the world that catch things that don't want to be caught. Look at the translation of a net. Something used to catch things that do not want to be caught. Example, butterflies. Example, fish. So, they called it the net. They called it the web. Let me tell you something. The nastiest insect in the world is a spider. The spider doesn't kill the flies. When the fly gets stuck in the net, he goes to it, you can, don't Google it, but you can look it up in an encyclopedia. Right? <laughs> he goes and he, he sticks his little needle there into that little fly, and he sucks out enough blood, but not to kill it. And then he goes away and he lets it regurgitate his blood, and he comes and does it again. And he lets it regurgitate his blood, of course, it's not eating, so slowly but surely he feeds himself five times, the fly is dead. It suffers terribly. Anything caught in the spider's web suffers terribly. It doesn't kill it right away. That's what he does to us. We are on the internet. The little thing we look at, mm, I'm not going to look at this. He comes back and then you start looking at this. And then he comes back and you're in a chat room all of a sudden. And then he comes back and you're somewhere totally you shouldn't be. And then he comes back and finally you're dead! 
Jews have a relationship with God that nobody else has. He gave us 613. Then Ramadan said, that's not enough. We love you so much more. We need six more. It's not enough. We want more. That's what gives you. The internet, those other stuff, something knows. If Yiddishkeit is, if Judaism is, being connected to God and spending time with Him, then the something has to come out and create a way that we should not spend time with Him. So He created cell phones, and He created internet, and He created movies. I'll end with this about movies. Movies are entertaining! So you all know. Uh, about two years ago, this movie came out, Batman. Batman and the Dark Side. Uh, uh, Kate Crusader! Batman Robin! I grew up in Batman Robin. Not in the movie, on the television. Ah, wham, zam. <laughs> so, Batman is a Kate Crusader. He's the man, right? He can do anything. So, they're in this movie theater in Colorado. 12 o'clock. The first showing of the movie. And about 12.20, in the middle of the movie, this guy gets up in front of you, you all know about this, he gets up in front of the screen, and he takes out a, an AK rifle, and he says, I am the Joker. And he starts shooting. And 12 people get killed. And Batman's playing behind him. And in Time Magazine, they write an article that three of the guys that died Died saving their girlfriends. They, when he started shooting, they jumped and covered their girlfriends, and they took the bullets. Three of them died. Two of them happened to have been American soldiers that were in the army. Whatever it is, they gave up their lives and they saved their girlfriends, and they got killed. He shot. He was just shooting the front row, the front row, the row. And I was giving a share in my seminar, and I'm like, "Do you know how many hours guys in this room? I'm sure. You know how many hours you waste watching movies?" I said, "Batman, you spent seven fifty to watch this guy. Can you say can save Gotham City?" And here's one guy with a gun. Batman, jump off the screen! You're behind him! Knock him out! Batman can do nothing when he's crazy or lost. He's smoking up. Think Batman can jump off the screen when he's nuts? Crazy? Of course he can't jump off the screen! Really? That's why you're watching it. So in Time Magazine, you know what they wrote? The true Kid Crusaders were those three guys. Three human beings saved their girlfriends. They're not a movie. They're human. They're real. Real people can do real things. Things on a screen, and then you turn the light on, you can't see them anymore. You can only see them in the dark. Because that's the whole kayak of the subtle. The whole kayak of the subtle is imagery. It's not real. What are you watching? You want to watch guys getting shot? They get right off the screen. As I say movies, is one good thing about movies, it's a riot to feel amazing. Girls, they like to go to these crying movies, right? Everybody's dying of cancer. So I told at my seminar, I'm like, so here you, you're watching this movie, and they bring their tissues, and this lady's dying of cancer, and at the end she dies in his arms. Everybody's crying! Right? The guys are sitting there like, man, doesn't bother me at all. Right? And, 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 and they're all crying, to waste you, and they watch the, you know, Halavai, I say, Rabbi, Halavai, they're learning with the movie. Because at the end of the movie, everybody stands to watch the credits. She was over, they're out of there! Nobody ever sat down and say, okay, let's let's look at where all the Michael Cunningham's where you got it from. When it comes to the movie, everyone's standing there, everybody's watching everything. First cameraman, third cameraman, fourth cameraman, what are you doing watching? Fifteenth cameraman, what you know the guy, you're gonna call him. What are you watching? Because maybe at the end of all that, there's gonna be a two-minute bloopers, bloopers of bloopers of the movie. 
right? But nobody's thinking in classroom after this year. Maybe Ribby's gonna say, maybe Ribby's gonna like say something like interesting about the Gemara we just learned. You're out of there. I'll buy she was like a movie. But anyway, but the truth, the truth is, okay, that the, the whole thing is, is not real. It's a waste of time. So his, his whole thing is to take away that most precious thing that we have. Now, what happens? The movie's over. I told the girl, the movie's over. They all cry. They leave. Now, 20 minutes later, they start, uh, half an hour later, on the hour, they start playing the movie again. Now, that same girl that just died, she's back up there. And two weeks later, she's in another movie. So I'm like, what are you crying for? It's an actress. She gets off the stage, you all cry, and she goes to watch and she has a burger. And you're sitting there crying? Boys, it's bluff, it's fake. It's all fake, it's imagery. It's not real, it doesn't cry, it doesn't feel, it's not connected to Hashem. This whole technology is to grab your young, to grab the most precious thing a youngster has is time. He wants to take all your time from your parents, from yourself. Nobody in this room even knows who you are. You don't even know who you are. When the last time you sat at the edge of your bed and said, Who am I? What am I doing here? What have I done? What am I going to do? Where am I going? He doesn't let you spend time with yourself. And the Akiva says, But how to the Rekha Kamaika, your best friend is Kamaika, is you. If you don't love yourself and you're not connected to yourself, you can't be connected to anybody else. You can't be connected to Hashem. When kids tell me I'm not connected to Hashem, I'm like, you know what? You're not even connected to yourself. Let's not get to God. We're not even up to God. You're not even connected to yourself. Thank you to your parents. You're not connected to yourself. You don't know who you are. You don't spend any time with yourself. Spend time with machines. Uh, listen, I'm going to walk out of here today. It's up to you to change. Now, it's not going to change my life if you change or you don't change. But it's going to change your life. Go find a kid. Go take him to the park. Go play ball with him. So many kids, the, the, the older guys, take care of them, to show them love. So many kids are a dysfunctional family. The guy would just show up once a week, and take him out to eat, and take him to play basketball in the back here, and maybe spend 10 minutes and learn with him. You could save his life half an hour of your time. Well, you don't waste it with all the garbage. I'm begging you, because one day you're going to sit in the room, and you're going to look at your potential. And if you realize that potential, that's Ganeidin. If you didn't realize that potential and you wasted all your time, that's Ganeidin. That's what I put Rebbe Wachel want. Rebbe Wachel wants everyone in this room to spend time with them. And I'm not telling you that davening is easy. Davening, you should really, uh, you or she might not be happy, I'm telling you, you should take one little part of davening, maybe Ashrei, maybe Bosh Amar, and then for three months, have just Kavana when you say that. Have Kavana when you say that. Say, Kush Baruch Hu, you don't really know what I'm talking about. You don't really talk back to me, even though he does in Mashallah, but that's a different shear and it's very deep. Right? He does talk back to you all the time. He talks Hashem talks in Mashallah. But at the end of the day, find one thing to talk to him. One GPS where you give the information and the GPS automatically does it. Talk to Kush Baruch Hu. Every single Hebrew word does a kayak. But Shmuel Burmah with my Rosh Hashim and Mir Hashim. Shmuel Burmah with the biggest mosque, one of the biggest mosques of our door. I'm a Mir Hashim boy. And there was a, there was a guy in Mir Hashim, Kailo 40 years. This happened right before Mr. Shiva passed away. He was in Kailo for 40 years. He was like the basement of Mir Shiva. This guy was always there. Always in the basement. And he had a bunch of kids, and his wife had cancer at stage four. And he went to Rosh Shiva. They said this over, and he said it over by the Shiva of Rosh Shiva. And he went to Rosh Shiva, and he said to Rosh Shiva, Rosh Shiva, I cannot live without her. I, I, I'm in Yeshiva all the time. I won't be able to learn. She takes care of the kids and everything. You have to do something. Stage four, they're giving her like a month, two months. 
She was all doubted. She said, no, you have to do a mafis. She said, I'm not a rebel. And I'm not a makobo. I, I don't do mafis. She said, I'm here 40 years. This is my life. I'm begging you. You have to do a mafis. She said, I, I'm, I'll doubt it. I'll, whatever. Okay. Make a long story short. A week later, we get a phone call, some kind of trial in Belgium, that the, 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 her cancer pill was so far gone they should be one of the 20 people who are They take her, 10 of them die, and 10 of them get better in this trial. Who got the placebo, who did it, we don't know, whatever it is. And it starts, the cancer starts to go away with this new, this new treatment. Make a long story short, Baruch Hashem, gone. So he goes to the Rosh Hashiva, he said by the Shiva. He goes to the Rosh Hashiva, he says to Rosh Hashiva, Rosh Hashiva, you said you're not a Makobal, you're not a Rebbe. What'd you do? Shiva, hey, just tell me, you saved my wife's life. What do you do? He really do anything. He says, I'll tell you the truth, he says. Every day, almost every day, in the Gemara, I talk to Abai and Rabba. We talk. He said, I never asked them for anything. You came to me and said that there's a man in, in, in Yeshiva that talks to you also a lot, but he won't be able to come talk to you anymore. If his wife dies, he has to take care of the family. He's not going to come talk to you anymore. So for, for, for his sake, go in front of the Kisa Kobe, Abai and Rabba, and, 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 and that you should have a nace. What's the lesson? The Shul Bermbaum did not learn tomorrow. <coughs> he lived in it. When he said an Abai and Rabba, when he said Rabbi Akiva, whoever he said, he was talking to him. And when they asked Akasha in the Gemara, he was sitting in the room when they asked Akasha. His relationship with his Torah was life. It's not a subject. Torah is not a subject. He was talking to them. He had a relationship with them. Because he spent time with them. It's a very famous story. I don't know if you were in the Mishnah where somebody died and, and, and the Chagiga was following behind, right? This, this woman in black was following behind by the Leviah, and they, they never saw her before, so they asked her, who are you? She said, I'm a sexist Chagiga. Sexist Chagiga? This person, all his life, does all he likes. Over and over and over, the sexist Chagiga. So it wasn't a subject. He was talking to the sexist Chagiga, so he died. So Chagiga has to come to Leviah. How you can be on such a level that, that it's part of your life. It's not a subject. It's part of your life. If you have a relationship with Anything you spend time with, anything you spend time with, is a good thing and a bad thing. Whatever you spend time, the special thing that I spend gives you every morning, and anything you spend time with, that is a relationship. You spend time with prayer and mitzvahs, you have a relationship with God. You spend time with movies and internet, you have a relationship with something. That's a relationship with something, you're spending time with Him. I don't have to tell you, there are many ways to spend time. There's probably more than 613 ways that He has created to spend time with Him. There's nothing in the middle. Well, Shabbatah learned that. When the matah was in his hand, it was a matah. He threw it out, it wasn't a matah on the floor. It became a snake. Hashem was teaching Shabbatah, the leader of Christ, well, you're a matah when you're in my hand, you're a matah. But don't think if you're out of my hand, you're a matah on the floor. You're not, you're a snake. You can't belong, there's no in-between. You don't belong to Hashem, we belong to the Nachash, you belong to the Sultan. Spend time with Hashem, we belong to Hashem, we have a relationship with Hashem. Spend time on the internet and all these other places, the relationship is with him. You don't want to have a relationship. Trust me. So guys, it's up to you. What you do with this, that's what you're just kind of. You're just kind of. 
Another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.